Good morning, church. I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you to worship this morning. If you please stand as we start with these beautiful songs in praise of the Lord. Thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning. New mercies I see, all I have needed, thine hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto thee. God, we thank you this morning for a wonderful day. We thank you for bringing us together in your house one more time to do nothing else, Lord, but to bring praise to you and to lift up your holy name. We ask, Lord, that as we sing these praises, Lord, the praises will go up and the blessings will come down. And we pray that when we leave this place, we will leave better than the way we came. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Amazing Grace. So much. 
God, you are worthy. We just worship you, God. There's no one like you, God. There's none before you, none beside you. So for that, Lord, we just give you all the praise. Your presence is here. 
You may be seated. Every Sunday we, we talk about our pegs, our chance to pray and engage and give and serve. And over the summer I've told you this is my favorite time uh, because what we ask you to do is give 10 extra dollars for 10 weeks to 10 missions or ministries that really could use the extra boost in the summer. And so this year, for the first time, we, we didn't get to go the past two years in a row because of COVID. Um, we actually got to have a Dominican Republic mission trip and go down to the orphanage. Um, Pastor Rafe and Amy are there right now. And so this week, we're going to ask you to give that extra $10 to go toward Hogar de Ninos, which is the name of the orphanage in the Dominican Republic, um, and also pray for the people there who are working in mission, who are hands-on with these kids. It's a really tough job. You have to play all day. It's, it's really hard. <laughs> um, so if you all say an extra prayer and add a little extra $10, that'd be great. You can do it online or in person. And I'm going to welcome Glory to come and lead us in our morning prayer. Good morning. The words to that song were just beautiful. God, you are like heaven to all of us. Let's bow our heads and have a moment in prayer this morning as we call upon the Holy Spirit. As we enter into this time of prayer, O oh God, we offer our gratitude that you are always present to us. Holy God, in this time and in this place, we prepare to meet you as your body, the church. We acknowledge you as our head. We anticipate your spirit moving among us. We await your word, knowing that through it, our lives and loves will be re reordered. Come to us in power to confront and convict, to comfort. For we are your people, made in your image. As we enter into worship, we want every word that is spoken or sung to lift you up and make your name great. We desire to proclaim your truth, to hear your word, and to respond to you with worship. We've made plans for this time together, but we ask that it would be truly by your spirit who guides us. Let us be willing to set aside our own agendas when we sense you leading us. We are so grateful to be able to gather and we look forward with expectancy for what you will do in and through us today. Holy God, we are awed and humbled by your gracious presence among us. We pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive others who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scripture this morning is from Galatians 5, 13 through 25, and I'm reading from the CEB version. Christ has set us free for freedom, therefore stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses but serve each other through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful you don't get eaten up by each other. I say be guided by the Spirit, and you won't carry out your selfish desires. A person's selfish desires are set against the Spirit, and the Spirit is set against one's selfish desires. They are opposed to each other, so you shouldn't do whatever you want to do. But if you're being led by the Spirit, you aren't under the law. The actions that are produced by selfish motives are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive, Opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and other things like that. I warn you, as I've already warned you, that those who do these kinds of things won't inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. 
help us to to see it with a new vision help us to be transformed in our hearts and help us to understand what you would have us understand today amen so I'm already ready for the 4th of July I started this sermon and I realized wait a minute we have one more week but I'm going there I'm in I'm all for the fireworks <laughs> um, I grew up in Boston and so the 4th of July was a really big deal um, we would start the weekend before with fireworks over the lake in our little small town, um, complete with the whole family gathering, extended family gathering, um, everybody bringing their little goodies to share. And I remember when, when we were kids, one of my favorite Fourth of Julys was the celebration of the Bicentennial, because again, being from Boston, this was a big deal. So we had activities all week that led up to um, going in town to the hatch shell and watching the Boston Pops Orchestra play and to see the fireworks with the 1812 overture playing. You can't beat that, right? Dun -dun 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 boom, boom. You know, it's like <laughs> that is my image of the fireworks. Um, and one of the interesting things that happened that day is my mom showed us like true hospitality and grace in action. We met these two couples who were traveling together. Um, one from Baltimore and one from Venezuela. They had become friends. And they had only come in for the bicentennial. And so after visiting with them, my mom invited them back to our house to see the, the fireworks at the lake the following Saturday night. It was one of the few times we actually had them after um, the 4th. And so she invited these strangers to stay in her home and get to experience that, that small town festival. And they were so excited and grateful to be there. Um, she showed that type of freedom that we have when we love our neighbor um, with her hospitality. So Independence Day is important. I think we can agree with that. It's worth celebrating. But Paul is trying to show us that dependence on God is even more special. Dependence on God is how we grow in the spirit, how we become more fruitful, how we demonstrate the love of God for others. It's what transforms us. If we, if we look back at this whole text of Galatians, if you start with chapter 1, which you could actually do, you know, you could, you could read it. It's very cool. Obviously, I'm in the right job, right, that I think it's cool to read scripture. It's good. But if you look back, you'll see that Paul is forming this really decent argument um, against the influence of this group of, of law-oriented Jewish Christian missionaries. And they're insisting that the Christians are obligated to keep all the Mosaic law. So they even wanted the Christians to follow up with these old laws, including circumcision, especially circumcision. And this is not the first time that we hear Paul arguing against this. Um, you might remember reading that in Acts. If you look back in the chapters leading up to this chapter, he's, he's basically building his argument. He's got a series of examples about the law and the gospel and he's leading up to this climax of his argument. He's got these negative examples and fierce arguments, and he's leveling them against these missionaries. And apparently these missionaries had a lot of influence over this new um, Galatian Christian group. So Paul now gives way to these concluding remarks in chapter 5. And he begins by drawing a very specific conclusion. The new Christians should not be forced to submit to circumcision. 
The insistence that the ritual be observed, Paul says, flies in the face of Christian freedom. Christ didn't free them to have them come, become bound up by all these old rules. And if the old rules were enough, if we could do it all by ourselves by following all these rules, then why do we need Christ, right? So if they've been freed, if this is what has happened in Christ, why? For what? So Paul goes on to clarify what he believes this freedom looks like and what it doesn't look like. So he says in the face of his opponent's arguments that the law is not the central focus in a believer's life. It's Christ who's the center. Paul says that it's Christ's gift to all of his disciples, and that's really the true freedom. Paul says this freedom is a deliverance from the bondage of slavery. He insists that it means circumcision has no special standing to those who are truly being transformed by Christ. You're not made into a better Christian by being circumcised. Obedience to that law is not a matter of high importance any longer. So what does he say matters? And how is that fulfilling the purpose of freeing us? So think about this. Paul tells us that the very freedom we have then results in us being enslaved. Not only to our deliverer Christ, but to everybody else as well. So we are now having to set aside our selfish desires and serve everybody else. How is that freedom? Well, for Paul, freedom isn't the opposite of slavery. You know, we, we kind of think of it that way, don't we? But it's really a matter of who you are serving. And he believes that we are freed by following Christ, serving Christ and each other. So most of us, when we think of freedom, we think of liberty, which includes like freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Um, the definition of liberty is having the ability to act according to your own will, the power to do as you please, the power of choice. But freedom is having the ability to act or change without constraint. So it's the quality or state of being exempt or released from something that's particularly difficult. And certainly the Mosaic laws could be considered difficult, over 600 laws and rules to live by. Something is free if it can change easily and is not constrained to its present state. So it's, we can transform. In religion, we associate it with having free will um, and not having a lot of extra stuff piled on us, right? The person has a freedom to do things that will not, in theory or practice, be prevented by other forces. And so many, many people would define freedom today as following our own desires. But Paul argues against this. The selfish desires and the selfish impulses, those are the ones that drive us into this vicious cycle where people basically bite and devour each other. And in the end, he says they're eaten by each other. It reminds me of the seagull scene in Finding Nemo, right? Mine, 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 mine. And it sounds oddly familiar, disturbingly familiar, if we look at the headlines in the news in the world around us. Engaging in those kinds of behaviors can never really be freedom. Rather than freedom being found in such a state of lawlessness, Paul says it can only be found 
when one acts according to the law he summarizes in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you think about that for a second, if we had that one rule, that's the only rule we had to follow, we don't really need any of the other ones because we wouldn't hurt each other. We wouldn't hoard resources. There would be no murder, no crime. You get the picture. Truly free acts occur when we consider not only ourselves but also others or even more specifically the other. Those who are guided by the spirit don't give in to selfish desires, he says. The one who is truly free serves not just their own selfish desires, but God and our neighbors. In this section of Paul's letter, he reminds us that sometimes our greatest liberation can be found in our deepest commitment to Christ. Not so much in freedom from, although certainly Christ has set us free from our past and our mistakes and our sins, our shortcomings, our fears, but it comes in our freedom too. There's our freedom to work together for the benefit of others, our freedom to love and to serve each other, our freedom to express our feelings, our concerns, our hopes, and our dreams for our communities, our neighbors, our friends, our freedom to grow in the fruit of the spirit. A transformation is in progress. And who doesn't love a good transformation story, right? The beast who starts out as this selfish creature is transformed by love, right? Who doesn't love that kind of a transformation story? And we need to realize that this freedom comes with a responsibility. So when Paul tells us, love your neighbor as yourself, as part of that, we can't stand in the way of someone else's freedom. Freedom in Christ tells us that the only way to achieve that deep abiding sense of joy is to love and serve others. Pursuing simple happiness, focusing on only on myself and my personal pleasures, that will never bring me genuine joy. It will never bring me the fullness of peace and love. True freedom comes from, from our goodness in response to God's goodness to us. It doesn't come from our own power. And the purpose of freedom for Christ's followers is, is to create it for others. We work toward justice and mercy. We fight for those who don't have what they need. We worry about the world around us and help to try to transform it. Paul directs the attention of this Galatian audience and us out of their self-absorption and he reminds them that, that loving service is measured by one's response to the neighbor, not to self. Love as demonstrated through service to others is the fruit of our Christian freedom. And while it's true that there is no place in Christian beliefs for self-hatred or self-loathing, loving ourselves is not the goal that Jesus had in mind when he freely gave his life for our salvation. I love this image that I saw of, um, of someone trying to hold out a hand to help their neighbor, but they're busy with their hands wrapped around themselves. You can't do it. You have to let go of self and reach out. 
The love Christ calls us to is this agape love, a sacrificial love. It's not this self-directed love. The movement of the Christian life is moving from out of self, self-centeredness, toward a centeredness in God, a transformation. I read a commentary that talked about these common um, cultural assumptions that you're limited by circumstances that are beyond our control. And so basically, freedom is impossible. And, and they use these examples. A psychologist might tell us that we're the products of our parents and we're limited by their emotional health. Or an economist might say we're products of our class and that we're limited in our options by the wealth and poverty into which we were born. And a sociologist might say we're products of our neighborhood or ethnicity. Um, we're shaped and limited by cultural traditions and norms. Some of us might even feel constrained by those assumptions today, now. But the Bible tells us that we're free from these forms, these molds, that we have the opportunity to break out of them because Christ has set us free for this freedom. And as the sons and daughters of God, redeemed and renewed by Jesus Christ, we have the freedom to be free. In other words, the freedom to be the good creatures that God originally created us to be. We've been set free to become Jesus-shaped, to live Jesus-shaped lives. We've been set free to become transformed. Freedom to do and live as Christ would have us do and live. I read an article um, several years ago now about Warren Buffett. Most of you would have heard of him, one of the world's richest men. And he decided at this point to give 85%, 85% of his fortune to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to help cure the globe's most fatal diseases. That's an incredibly generous gift, $31 billion, billion with a B. But more significant than the size of the gift was the mission of the Gates Foundation. So when Bill Gates was interviewed about the work, he listed the reasons that people give for tackling global health problems. So he says, you know, sometimes people use economic arguments. He said, stressing that if we cure something like malaria in an African country, then the country's gross national product will be higher. He says, some use security arguments, saying if we don't cure these diseases, the instability of these countries will increase. Some use neighborhood arguments, pointing out that somebody could get on a plane from one of these places and bring the disease here. All of these sound very familiar after COVID, don't they? But Gates says none of these arguments is the right one. He says the right argument is that this mother's child is sick and that child's life is no less valuable than the life of anyone else. And the world has plenty of resources to go and solve these problems. Amen. This is how we want to be free. Free to do what is rightly rooted in our love for each other. Doing as Christ would have us do, belonging to Christ. As a slave belongs to a master. That's ironically the exact means of our being set free in Christ. Freedom is ultimately not found in independence or in self-focus, but in a loving, dependent relationship with God, where the Spirit leads us to loving acts toward others, toward a transformation. We want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, 
We want to become more and more the image of Christ. We want our focus to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are indeed free to be, freed by the love of Christ, freed to be guided by the Holy Spirit, free to love our God and free to love one another. So as Independence Day approaches, let's be reminded that our freedom is truly priceless and beyond measure and given freely. Amen? If you'll bow your heads and pray with me. As we come to you in prayer, O God, we offer our thanks that you are always present to us even though there are times we are not present to you. We thank you that you call us by name, even though there are times when we take your name in vain. We are sorry for the times that we have not been present to you and for all the times we have looked for you in all the wrong places. We ask that you would instill in us a sensitivity to your presence as we find your glory in the majesty of a sunset or in the smile of a child. We are thankful that when we find a human need and fill it, you are there. We offer gratitude for the courage of martyrs who confronted conflict with nonviolence. Help us likewise to search for options for a better way. Awaken us to the opportunities for ministry. Inspire us to pray for peace and for healing in our broken world and our broken relationships. Expand our horizons that we might know that wherever we are, you are there. For even as we seek you, you have already found us. Transform us, Lord. Help us to grow to be more like you. Help us to so live that when we meet you face to face, we might hear you say, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. Amen. If you'll please stand and join us in song.
heard the good news in Christ you are a new creation you are set free go forth then from this place as a people of faith to serve others with your good works and acts of charity may you know that the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ are with you always amen